Welcome to episode six of Oh No No No, a Wraith Rovers podcast. My name is Blair Hopcroft, and in a rotation that even the Rovers front four would be proud of, I find myself in the host chair tonight. Um, so, for our pre-match chat um, ahead of Saturday's trip to Arbroath, I am joined by a man who now owns the greatest mug in Kirkcaldy, without a doubt, Mr Duncan Cameron. For our YouTube viewers. <laughs> Beautiful. How are you, Duncan? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Very well. Good. We have a man that's led out a team at Starts Park um, and scored a screamer into the North Stand, and he's now here to chat all things Rovers. It's Ian Lato. Hi, Ian. Yeah, great. Thank you. Good, uh, good to be here. Um, we've got a man behind all the artwork on the podcast and fresh off a train to Berlin. It's Leslie Maven. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. I've got my oh no 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 t-shirt on today. <laughs> Another one for the YouTube viewers. Um, we've also got our resident statistician, who we hope anyway has no controversial crockery this week. It's Christina Beatty. Good evening, Hello, Christina. I've still got the pumpkin mug here. It's still seasoned. <laughs> wow, it served as well. And last, but by no means least, it's the podfather himself, Mr. Robbie Weir. Good evening, Robbie. Evening. Glad that you're uh, hosting tonight, Fleur. <laughs> yeah, um, that makes one of us. So, um, as Storm Babbitt ranges, is it Babbitt, Hurricane Bobag, who knows, um, as it rages over Angus, um, and it's looking more and more unlikely that the game's going to go ahead, um, but first question, actually, I'm going to throw out to you, Ian, um, is the potential cancellation a bit of a blessing for the Rovers? It certainly could be. Um, obviously, we had the, the news just before we kind of came on here that Jack Hamilton was going to be missing. I think that would probably be a really big miss for us, especially just given that if it goes ahead, the conditions that we're going to be playing in, plus Watson. So if you take Hamilton and you take Watson, you're probably losing two of your four best headers of the ball in the squad. Our growth are probably one of the more, could you say, agricultural sides in the league. They like to get it forward and get it forward quickly. So uh, I think losing kind of two of your best headers of the ball would be a big blow. So, yeah, um, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that a week or another week without a game um, would, wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, I think getting getting our kind of uh, top performers and our, and our kind of big laddies back... Um, would probably be a good thing um, in, the, in the kind of coming weeks. So, yeah, a week off might not be the worst. Yeah, I certainly don't think Ian Murray's going to be praying and hoping that this game goes ahead, I don't think. But, um, Christina, have you got any um, Arbroath-related statistics that should the game go ahead are going to give us all a little bit more hope? Yes, I do. I don't know if it'll give us more hope, but um, I went back to 2017 when we were all both in League One so from 2017 and 2019, they only beat us one time. And then in the championship from 2020 to now, they've only beaten us twice. However, we do draw a lot of time when we play each other. So percentage-wise, it's been 35% throwers to arrows, 20%, but 45% are draws. So yeah, I think it could be very an even keel. I mean, does anybody, before I throw any more questions out, does anybody actually think this game's going to go ahead? Absolutely fucking not. No chance, <laughs> uh, to, to put it bluntly. It's quite funny, hearing those stats from Christina, I, I remember a few months ago, um, I'm one of the saddles that's on Pine Bovril, and uh, an Arbroath fan tried to claim that we were on their mantelpiece, and they've only beaten us like a couple of times. I was like, 
What, what, what are you on about? That's like absolute nonsense. Like Cali Fissel, that's that's our team. That's the 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 <laughs> demonic presence of a, an unbeaten run that's now gone. Uh, but yeah, uh, Blair, I can't see this game going ahead. Uh, red weather warning, never seen before. Fifty mile an hour winds was getting quoted. Just uh, troller will probably be pitching up at the. Um, amusement park at the end, pretty much from based I mean, on what's fairness, been said. It's, it's, it's pretty much standard for Arbroath away, though, isn't it? Like, I don't think we've ever been there in sunshine. It's either freezing cold and a blowing wind, or there's players getting soaked by the sea at the corner. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it's looking more and more and more unlikely, I think, that the game's going to go ahead. Um, <clears throat> we'll, we'll do a little bit of chat um, about the Arbroath game that potentially might happen, just in case. Because um, we're going to look really, really stupid if we don't. Um, they've had a bit of a, a stop-start kind of season, a really rubbish um, campaign in the League Cup, um, and then lost their first three games, although weirdly it was twice to Queen's Park in the first three games of the season. Um, they've then gone on to win four in their last five. Um, Duncan, do you think there's anything anything in this side that, that Ian Murray's going to be particularly worried about? I think there could be. Um, I think to to you know the first point that you you asked Ian, you know, is it a good time for us to get some players back? I think it might also be a good time to dodge out of playing our broke. I I don't think they're <clears throat> good enough to go and really challenge over the course of the season, but they're in good form at the moment. Um, as you say, a kind of stop start beginning to the season, but it was it was all stop, and now it seems to be all start, and um. I think their tails are up. And yeah, I don't think it's a bad time to be ducking out of it if we can. Um, and it's it's one of these games that if it goes ahead, it's going to be a shambles. Um, it's, you know, the, the the wind will be blown. It'll be 4-0 at halftime and it'll finish 5-4 the other way. I, I just can't see any any situation where this game goes ahead and is any kind of spectacle whatsoever. So, um not firmly in the uh, hoping for and expecting a postponement camp for me. I think it would be remiss of me, Leslie, as well, not to come to you as a resident climate scientist um, for the podcast. It's a strange um, mantle to sit upon, but um, what's your thoughts ahead of a, a potential cancellation on Saturday? I mean, I would just echo, I think, what, what Robbie said, that I think there's very little chance of it going ahead. And, you know, I'm... Football aside, I hope all the, the growth fans, all the people up in that part of the world are, are doing all right. If anybody's listening in, I, I hope you kind of escape the worst of it. But, you know, were the game to go ahead, I think it would be A, a shambles, and B, probably quite a, a close one. So at the start of the season, I tweeted out some predictions. And one of the things I, I predicted was that our growth will not go down. And I think they're actually looking a lot better than many people thought pre-season. They started pretty badly, but they, they've really turned a corner. and they are, I think, like Duncan says, it's maybe not a bad time for us to duck out of playing them. Um, I'm not actually that good at predictions. So one of the other three things I tweeted was that Dookie Emery will be managing in the Premier League by Christmas. And that's clearly not going to happen. So, I mean, the other thing to say as well on the wind, we all know from the videos that went out a couple of weeks ago, we have a goalkeeper who may be no-footed, but is very good at kicking long distances very precisely. So if we can just get Kevin Dabrowski to think that the Arbroath goal is the boot of a Ford Focus, you know, he could be on for a hat trick. <laughs> Very good. Um, Robbie, what about yourself? In terms of 
the Rovers lineup. I mean, I know we're saying the game's unlikely to go ahead, but um, surely it's a game that every goalkeeper and every centre half would be dreading because it's going to be a day of of onslaught, no matter which way you're shooting. Yeah, um, you you look at sort of the options that we've got. Um, they're really tailored towards playing it on the deck and ideally moving the ball quickly in transitions. You look at the the game that we had down at Somerset Park. Um, and even against Dundee United or uh, last weekend um, in the Challenge Cup, a lot of the the play, switching wings, getting the ball down, you're not going to do that if it's 50 mile an hour winds. Um, you're not going to be doing very much if it's 50 mile an hour winds. So yeah, I I just can't see it going ahead. I think that our Brof have actually recruited really well. Um, they obviously they had a poor season uh, last season. Um, but yeah, the players like Hilton and Jermaine Bird seem to have came in and been doing a turn for them. Um, as you mentioned, a very stop start. But I think that Duncan's probably hit the nail on the head by saying it's likely a good time that we're avoiding to play them as well. Um, so no idea when it will get rearranged, if it is going to be off. Um, but again, it's probably a good time to be missing them, given that we're in a bit of an injury crisis at the moment. I'm just thinking back though, I've just um, with Leslie mentioning about the goalkeepers, can anyone remember the clip of uh, East Stirling when they played up there? Yeah. Can you guys remember Mad Bill? Yes. Yeah, Mad Bill. Uh, so Mad Bill was a Shire fan that used to go to all the games, unfortunately he's passed away, um, but apparently he was seemingly a really nice guy, according to my ex-girlfriend's family who were Shire fans. Um and yeah, that's not how he came a, across. To be fair, yeah, there's a there's a clip of him um, and his his band of followers that he had um, up at Arbroath, and it's blown a gale as it does. And I, it must have been Ricky Little or, or um, the guy Gomez that was playing in goals, but he keeps trying to put the ball down for a goal kick, and obviously the wind just keeps blowing it away. And all, oh, you're a time wasting bastard! <laughs> and it's just the most <laughs> Scottish football thing that you could see. But that was very much early YouTube days back in 2007. Uh, but yeah, just Leslie's just reminded me of that there. So yeah, I see. You said Mad Bill. At first, I thought it was like a Danish right back that played two games for us on trial or something like that, and then that uh, wouldn't surprise me. Talking of um, talking of goalkeepers, obviously Leslie's talking about my um, less than favourable comments about Big Kev over the last few weeks, but um, Derek Gaston as well. It has to be said is another goalkeeper that um, swings his right foot like a three would. Um, the probably the least comfortable looking goalkeeper I've ever seen, but seems to do a job for them pretty much every time you play. I yeah, uh, it's his short sleeves that bother me. I just find it really yes. distressing. Why? What's the short sleeves all of it? So the the depth of winter, the boy keeps goal like six yards away from the North Sea. Roll your sleeves down. <laughs> I find it really troubling. I wonder how much stick he gets for the Disney references of Gaston shouting with a French accent because it just feels like it just continues to recur. But yeah, a very good goalkeeper though. Um, done really well yeah. over the. Uh, for Morton, Arbroath just seems to be quite consistent. So yeah, I think he's he's taken uh, David McGurn's mantle of by far and away the best part-time goalkeeper in the country. Like there there was a period where David McGurn was head and shoulders above any other part-time keeper, and I think Derek Gaston's been in that position for a good few years now. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair comment. 
pretty fair. Um, We're all racking our brains trying to think and disprove you, Duncan. <laughs> but Mark McCallum's just overweight now, and uh, uh, Neil Parry's down at Clyde um, chucking in goals. So uh, sorry, to Mark McCallum, if he listens to that, I'm not body shaming you. So before we we move on from a, a game that's unlikely to happen, does anybody want to say anything nice about Dick Campbell? No. <laughs> I've got a Dick Campbell bonnet sitting next to me, and I can put that on for a couple of minutes and uh, yell obscenities if that uh, if I keep proceedings moving. You definitely look better in it than he does, Leslie. Don't worry about that. <laughs> One of um, my memories of actually going to the Rovers was Dick Campbell getting sent off and giving everybody the middle finger on the way down the tunnel. <laughs> Lovely. Was that the game he ended up in the stand with the, the fat Peaky Blinder chat? Aye. I think so. I, I love when just you get those spontaneous football chants that just come out of nowhere, and it's just like, and then people are, ah, that's that's a good one. He's just such a fanny though. Uh, like, there's no other way to put it. Um, it was like the the recent one when he was talking about Duncan Ferguson getting a three year deal, and he's like, <laughs> I've never had a three year deal, and then straight away. Scottish football fans, absolute fucking nerds. A Partick Thistle fan is like, actually, actually, I think you'll find that back in 2005, 2006 season, we gave you a 3 d of deal. Um, so, I just fucking, just yeah. full of it. He's a character. I feel like people use characters too much. Me and Grumman, uh, Scott Thompson, were talking about that on Saturday. Like, there's too many people that are like that, just that just use it to get away with it. Um, when it's obviously it does really well, and that's an annoying thing. Our both just seem to just exist and just get by season by season. But I just I'm very glad that they didn't go up a few years back because that fairy tale nonsense would have just been the end of me. Like, it's just. Yeah. I think the thing I the thing I find really difficult about him is. It is exactly the fact that he's not, in my head anyway, he's not a good coach. I mean, he's not a good tactician or any of that. He's just, he's all bluster. And he's just, he gets everybody up for everything. And he, he'll charge you up and throw you into battle. And the, 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 kind of, the team always kind of does well for him. But then the narrative ends up being what a great manager he is. Aye. I just don't. See, I just don't see that it. season they beat us to the league um, in League One. The annoying thing was, yeah, they were they were the most by far and away the most consistent team to go through that league, other than probably Rangers in the last few years. They absolutely waltzed it. But the injuries that we got that season were yeah. horrendous. We had Reagan Hendry cruciate injury. We had Louis Vaughan cruciate injury. We had Robbie Thompson versus Achilles. And you're thinking Come on, he's a break, guy. Like, and they're playing the same back line for about five years straight. That's just Jason Thompson, Ricky Little, Colin Hamilton, Tom O'Brien. And it's just the same over and over and over again. And you're just thinking, never happens to them. They seem to exist in this world where they never have an injury crisis. It's all right for them, but... Eh. You know what? I actually think that our both have been playing in the same strip with <laughs> the same back four and goalie for about 35 years now. Like, that... Macron maroon strip with that back four and mega tech on the sponsor it's about 1978 like I'm not joking it just feels like they've just gone on forever have they, have they still got O'Brien and, and Little at centre half as the, as the centre they gave O'Brien a five year deal That's, I, I remember that that, uh, like, that is fucking incredible like, yeah. the only one that left was uh, Jason Thompson he left a couple of seasons back yeah. um, 
Hall of Famer. He's coming up. There can't be a back two that have played together for much longer than that in, in Scottish football in like consecutive seasons. Maybe maybe at Hibs, that's the only one that's kind of really ringing a bell. Maybe like Hanlon and McGregor or something. Um, yeah, they, that's just so consistent, eh? But yeah, that five-year deal, that's... Uh, I'd love to know the story behind that. <laughs> I'd love to know it. I tell you, I mean, one thing I will say, just in fairness, I mean, just building on what Ian said there, what our growth have achieved, it says a lot actually just about kind of getting that consistent defence in and getting that consistency. You might have other players that come and go. Um, but, you know, I mean, as I say, fair play to them. It says a lot about what you can achieve with that, even if individually they're not the, the best players in the division. Having yeah. them together, and you know, I'd like to think that that's something that we can aim for over the, the coming seasons as well. I've probably got an Arbroath fan as well, isn't it? In the, um, in the screaming at their phone right now, but aye, you're absolutely right, Leslie, and it's not to detract away from them. I don't like them, but it's uh, they are exceptionally consistent and they've obviously maintained a, a very good squad with that back line and continually pull players. I mean, I think last season they just basically they survived by the skin of their teeth, but I think the sort of first half of the season was basically signed Joe Nubley's mates, was by what I've heard, the, the way that it was going for their scouting. Just well, that's... Hope that... That's what I was I was gonna say there. There must be someone at our broth who has some sort of like untapped tactical genius. Because it can't possibly be Dick Campbell because they're constantly signing these guys out of the, the kind of London regional divisions. They're turning up I grew up about six miles away from where Dick Campbell grew up and I've got no idea what he's saying half the time. How are these guys for Croydon? They're turning up they kind of could he could be telling them the the secret to football. There's not a chance they can understand them. There must There's be somebody else Germany doing as that well. translation work. I have a theory. I think it's the guy with the two pairs of glasses. I think he's <laughs> the brains behind the operation. Double specky. <laughs> to be fair, we're a club that had a man with two hats, so <laughs> two pairs of glasses is is fine. Do you know the one that that kind of threw me last season? <clears throat> so that whole part time football thing. Obviously, like. I spoke about it a few times when we were on K107 and stuff, that part-time footballers aren't a... I mean, I, to be fair, I was slagging off Montrose through the week, but part-time footballers now are... You know, they're delivering Amazon parcels during the day and they're going to the gym. Like, they're they're fit guys. Most of them are pretty much as, as fit as your, your full-timers. Um, the, the bit that gets me, though, is when the part-time players... Eh, sorry, part-time teams sign a full-time player on loan, generally speaking, they'll still train with their, their own club. So, like, Kieran Mitchell, for example, is at East Fife. He's still in training with the Rovers. He'll be there three or four days a week, probably. He'll train with East Fife a couple of days a week in Edinburgh or wherever they, they train, because a lot of the part-time teams train um, elsewhere, and then play on a Saturday for that team. But they picked up this boy from Birmingham. I forget his name, because he ended up... Was it Queen's Park he ended up at in the second half of the season? Um, I might be wrong on that. I can't remember, but he was the right-back. And they picked him up from Birmingham on loan. So Birmingham City sent a kid up to Angus to play for our broth, to train twice a week. Where's that kid training the rest of the week? It blows my mind. He's in at Pleasureland. He's on the puggies. (laughs) Just sitting there marshalling the small children that are on the the trampolines. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly know. who you mean, by the way. I cannot think of his name either. But yeah, when you say that, he ended up with across, yeah. Yeah. He was absolutely rapid. He was the only guy that burned Kieran and Gwenya last year. 
It absolutely destroyed him on about three or four occasions. Really, really quick. Can't mind his name. He was good though. Uh, Marcel Oakley. Oh, I. I just I don't understand how Birmingham City are sending their kids up to Arbroath alone. Just that again. Imagine that phone call where Dick Campbell phones a guy who sounds like Jasper Carrot and asks for a player. You know, a clue what's happening there. That's how that deal's come about. It's like, sure, whatever you want, put the phone down. Like, what was that? What, what were they after? No or, idea. Not a clue. From it, for me to give too much credit to Graham Linehan, but it's like the, the cameo from Limmy in an IT crowd when he's the... Uh, what is he? The, the, the window cleaner. cleaner. And he just leaves, yeah. what is it? He leaves like, his ladder or something at the flat and they've no idea what he's saying. He just walks in, just drops it, chatting quickly. And, uh. it's the next thing next thing I know is Marcel Oakley's on the train. <laughs> bizarre. Very, very bizarre. Anyway, we'll move on from um, all things are broth because I think, um, as we've already covered in extensive detail, it's pretty much not going to happen. Um, so we, obviously, planning for tonight's show... Um, without a game really to talk about, um, have kind of come up with a, another idea. It was actually Leslie that, that threw this in, so thanks for that, Leslie. Um, but we're going to call this section simply the best so far. Um, so we are going to have a look at um, a few different categories, um, and I'm going to ask each and every one of you to pick a player or a, or a game um, or a goal um, that has stood out from the, the season so far. And I kind of a... I suppose if Saturday goes ahead, it's the first quarter um, in our first um, quarter of the season. So the first um, topic or the first question I'm going to throw out, and I'm going to start with you, Robbie, because you actually opened this one up um, through the week. So I know what the answer is going to be, but you can wax lyrical about them um, for a few minutes. But we'll start with the best signing of the summer. Yeah, Kevin Dabrowski for me is uh, (laughs) just... Um, It's... um... Yeah, I spoke last week about Callum Smith um, and the impact that he's had. Obviously, he uh, said before that he um, came in from Airdrie and just the impact that he's had has been fantastic. Just his work rate. He's scored plenty of goals, chipping in with assists as well. Um, I just really surprising addition in terms of what he's offered for the squad. I don't really know what I expected when he signed. Um, as I say... So he looked at Hamilton and Mullen and probably Dubrovsky as well to a degree, grabbing sort of the headlines as being, oh, they're really good signings. But yeah, with, um, with Callum Smith, it just had this sort of undercurrent of, ah, he's done okay with Airdrie. We've seen him a few places before. We'll need to see what he's offered now. But as I mentioned, um, the Airdrie fans very much felt that Ian Murray was getting the best out of him rather than Reese McCabe. And it just appears to continue to be the case. Just seems like a really good guy. Um, and I know I say that about everyone involved with the football club. They all just seem to be really good fucking guys. But um, yeah. yeah, just long may it continue. The only other shout out I would give to is you and Murray. Um, and I'm not sure if anyone else has sort of touched on him. So I'll leave it to yourselves if anyone's got you and Murray uh, to, to add and wax lyrical about him. Before we, before we jump to you and Murray, because this is the, the bit where we all end up saying exactly the same thing over and over again. Is there any other Callum Smith picks? Um, for the best sign in Duncan. Yes, I've got Callum Smith as well. Um, the one that ran him closest to me uh, would have been Sean Byrne, but for me, yeah, Callum Smith over the piece of what we've seen so far. Um, for for all the reasons that Robbie said, I think it's exactly that. When he came in, you're thinking like, like kind of good squad option. Bearing in mind at that point, we already knew that we had 
I think possibly all of the other number 10 kind of attacking midfielder types that we've got. I think at that point, I'm almost thinking like, well, there's your one who's probably going to start on the bench. Mm-hmm. But he's been excellent. Um, yeah, I've been really impressed with him. I think he's he's been a, um, a real standout so far. Yeah, probably the best one we've got actually at that lone striker role as well, I think. Um, we talked a, a couple of weeks ago about the kind of energy that Gullen might give you, but as you quite rightly said, they kind of do the positional bit. Um, but Callum Smith, yeah, Callum, Callum Smith, I think is is a much better able to do the two different jobs differently. Whereas Jamie Gullen, to me, does the same job. It's just whether you tell him he's up front or he's on the wing. Callum <laughs> Smith can play on the wing or can separately play up front. But let's not let me get back into that again. <laughs> So before we before I throw it out to the to the rest of you, I am actually just off the back of Robbie. I am picking you and Murray. Um, he's he's been my signer of the summer so far. Um, I've always been a, a fan of the the kind of centre half parents where you've got one who is the kind of full blooded beat the living shit out of anybody who looks at him funny, and then the other one being a little bit more culture, a little bit quicker to to kind of make up the ground. Um, and I think him and Watson together um, are a great parent. It worried me first game of the season at Partick when Brian Graham burned Keith Watson um, in a foot race. Genuinely scared me. Um, but Ewan Murray, um, for me, has been absolutely immense since he's come in. He's just, and playing pretty much injured as well with this shoulder thing he's got going on. Um, so, yeah, he's been he's been mine. Any other Ewan Murray picks before I throw it out to the to the rest? Ian? Yeah, I went uh, I went Ewan Murray as well. Um I, I, there has rarely been larger slices of humble pie served out than the ones that you and Murray has served to portions of the Wraith Rovers support. Loads of people did not want him back for yep. not reasons unknown, but you know, like for obvious. He's been at the film and people didn't want him to come back and whatever. But like he's been superb. Um, I didn't see him at the at the Thistle game. I, I missed the first game of the season, but they have been. Uh, did, did he play? Did he play the Thistle game? Yes. Yeah. He actually yeah. Quite, played quite poorly. Yeah. <laughs> so really unfit in his defence. I, I understand. He said he hadn't played any preseason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think he'd basically played. So uh, kind of let him off with that. But I think just week on week, you can see his confidence growing. He's kind of influence over the team. He wins his headers. He's full-blooded. He throws himself in front of everything. He's a total leader. Um, he's been superb he's come back he's been exactly what we were needing Ian Murray spoke in the pre-season about how we needed defenders who wanted to defend who wanted to go and head the ball and go and win it and he's he's been exactly that I think he's been brilliant I'm delighted he's back so, I think um, his his next worst game after that Thistle game he probably played twice as well he's not, he's not looked anything like it really was he looked every inch someone who hadn't played football in months and had yeah. been pitched into that game and but no, since then, they missed the Saturday. It was about two minutes in, yeah. um, immediately before they took the lead. That's right. But again, that it was the kind of thing where it just was cold and just wasn't ready for it. But but since they sent I mean, the week after that, and since then, he's been excellent. What um, for me, I would add to it as well was interesting was the way that the club approached him um, and to introduce them back into the things because. There's obviously there's always a lot of talk and football is very tribal. Um there's a lot of people, as Ian said, that have been forced to eat humble pie. Um yeah, with Murray, the way that it was very much a look, uh, we're acknowledging that he's gone away and he's coming back. 
but it's yeah, his work ethic's just been ridiculous. That derby away at Dunfermline, he absolutely bossed that game, um, among others. And yeah, just great player to have in the squad. He's a league winner as well. And that was why when you looked at the players that were available in the summer, everyone could see we needed an extra centre half. It was very, very abundantly clear. Um, so to have him sitting there as an option to come up from Hartlepool and to be able to get him in and back in the club after everything that's happened, absolute no-brainer of a signing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Christina, I'll come to you next then um, with a, a fresh pick. Who's been your sign-in of the summer? Mine was Callum Smith as well. Um, oh. Totally agree with Robbie. Totally agree with Robbie on that, what he said. Um, I really like when Callum Smith and Vaughan are together. So with Jack Hamilton being out injured the last couple of weeks, I really like that, that they've been a, a combo. And some of Callum Smith's goals already this season have been phenomenal. So... I massively rate, rate him. I also had Keith Watson, but I scored his name out <laughs> and then put Callum Smith. Keith Watson, I think, just because of the experience and stability that he brings, but I'm all about winning games, so Callum Smith can be the season one that scores goals. Yeah, fair enough. And Leslie, last but not means least. Just to add something different, it was the, the second name that Duncan had picked up, and that is Sean Burke. So, technically not a summer signing, a few weeks after, but the amount of experience that he brings to us and the calmness he brings to us. And I, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago that, you know, we're winning games that we would have thrown away last season. You know, we're, we're getting points out of games where we'd, we would have been hanging on or we would have lost. And I think, like I said, a big part of that is down to having some of these cool heads who have won the league before. And I think having somebody like Sean Byrne sitting where he does, you know, and just being able to be really calm on the ball, kind of take it, control it. Not only does it help to find another Rovers player going forward, but it also then means we're not inviting pressure onto the defence. You know, I mean, so many games last season, you know, when we were, we were hanging on for the last 10 minutes, and it was just because we didn't have anybody. I don't have any disrespect to, to Brad Spencer when I say that, but you know, we, we didn't really have anybody that could just kind of control things and keep things ticking over. And when you have that kind of person, it means that you're not having to kind of either sit deep or go gung-ho. And it's much easier, I think, to do the game management thing and, and see things out. So I mean, that doesn't mean to kind of ignore all the other good things that, that, that Sean Byrne does, but I think just having that calmness and that little bit of experience it was helping us to see games out. And that's why, for me, he's been a really huge asset to us since he came in. So, yeah. as well, um, if you want a wee anecdote about last Saturday, actually, um, it got called out. I was just chatting with Scott Thompson, and he said that. It was like, Sean Byrne, by the way, how the fuck did you just get him? Well, maybe not that uh, that graphic, but uh, it was just, how did you just manage to pull that one off? He's been uh, aye, fantastic. And, yeah, um, and it's even sweeter the fact that he's turned down other teams at our level to, to come to us as well, uh, despite what other people might say. He's definitely uh, decided that he wanted to be with us, that we were a project that he wanted to get involved in, and he's just been stellar, as Leslie says. I mean, the thing is, I feel like the phrase of the first quarter was very much recurring among everyone that's featured on this podcast or whether you read it elsewhere or you talk to people in the stand is we would not have won, stroke, drawn that game last season. That has been the phrase of the first quarter. Absolutely. I mean, I've, almost turned in a, I've almost turned into a bit of a, not a Dundee fan, but every week I'm checking to make sure that Dundee aren't 
getting sucked into the relegation battle to make sure they're not picking <laughs> up huge injuries and suspensions or that the manager's not changing. Because as long as they keep scuttling along in eighth or ninth in the Premier League, the chances of them being recalled are, are virtually zero. So long may that continue. I think he'd want to stay. I genuinely, hand on heart, I think he'd want to stay rather than being with them. With the way that he's been fanned about for like the last year and a half. Um, he's, he's out of contract as well in the summer, isn't he? It's, it's a strange one to let him go and be out of contract at the end of the, the season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in January with that, because yeah. that's when you you get that kind of brinkmanship of do they then recall him to try and force the Rovers' hand to put some kind of cash on the table? Like, you, Can I see we'll it? see what happens with that. It's uh, every reason to sign up to Club 1883 and <laughs> throw money at the club so that we can keep Sean Byrne and Stanton as well. Come back to that later on in the, in the show, I'm sure. Um, right, so we'll move on um, from best signing and we'll look at one that, that gets voted for usually um, at the end of season awards. But from the first quarter, um, I'm looking for the best sort of team performance, so the best overall performance by the Rovers um, in the, the first part of the season. So, Ian, I'll kick off with you. Yeah, this one was actually quite difficult. Um, I kind of thought about possibly doing the Morton one and then possibly doing the Queen's Park one, but they were kind of games in where we played in spells and then kind of rescued it at the end and stuff. So the one that I actually went for was the Dunfermline away game. Um I think it was just such a good team performance. Like I, I watched back the highlights just before we came, before we came on here, and you know Dubrovsky had a couple of big saves. Watson and Murray kind of both throwing themselves at stuff. Um, scored that scored a good goal as well. You know Stanton's like on on the mark when uh, when the lad makes the makes the kind of mistake and Smith puts it in. Um, I just think it was a, a total team performance, like a, a really a really gritty one, and and one that I was really pleased to see us do. Like, we hadn't won at East End Park in, I don't remember the number, but it was a lot of years. We were never going to go there and roll them over. Like, that just wasn't going to be that, like, the dynamics of the game and how it always is at East End Park. You're never going to go there and play total football. So I was absolutely delighted to see us kind of turn in that sort of performance. And as Robbie touched on there, that's a game where we'd have drawn. And you can say that about a lot of games so far this quarter, but that absolutely was. like They had a couple of chances. O'Halloran got it stuck in between his legs a couple of times. They had that, that weird one where it hit the post. And like, let's not get away from it. We kind of had a bit of turn the favour and stuff in that game, but I just think the way we ground it out and held on uh, was really admirable. I think having those leaders in the team just makes such a difference. Like, See, see like having Murray and Watson and Byrne and Mullen and stuff playing in that game where they've been there, they've done it. It just made such a difference. And uh, yeah, it was a, a, a performance that I, I was really, really proud of as a, as a Rovers fan that day. So I'll jump in because I've also got that as my, my top one. Um, everything that Ian said is absolutely correct. We probably could have got a second goal as well. Stanton was obviously could have maybe done better with the finish there. And I think if it was maybe Vaughn or Smith that's in behind, you'd probably be looking at a 2-0 win. But again... With uh, that game, though, McGill had a fantastic game at left-back. He got absolutely torn to shreds by uh, McCann in that um, first game at Starch Park in the League Cup. Like, had a really torrid time of it. But then in the second game, you're thinking, oh, he might have a tricky one here. But then he was absolutely outstanding in that game. Everything that Ian said, totally agree with it. 
Yeah, it was a it was a one of those performances. I think we've we've spoken about it a few times on the the podcast so far. That calmness, um, as much as normally, you know, like, and you're always going to be up against it. One nil up away from home in a derby, you're always going to have to kind of deal with a bit of an onslaught. Um, but it never really felt like, never really felt like it was coming, which is a, a strange thing to say, um, because it's certainly not what we're used to. Anybody else, um, have the Dunfermline game as their pick before we move on? Nope. Okay, Leslie, I'll come to you next then. What's your performance of the season so far? Weirdly enough, I was having to think as well. It was, it was quite difficult to choose. And I think the two I went for were air away and then the last game at home to Dundee United. I think the first half of air away is perhaps the best that we've played all season so far. You know, it was like Brazil 70 going forward, Brazil 82 going forward with uh, Sam Stanton in the role of Zico or something like that. And, uh, just absolutely magnificent play. Dundee United game as well. You know, again, they, they go toe-to-toe with a team that have got so much depth and are expected to bounce straight back up and to, you know, to again, not to be hanging on and to actually regroup after we concede and have a go at them again. I think as we've played more and more, we're definitely getting better and better as a team. And it's a bit unfortunate that some of these injuries are coming along because you can see it week on week that just the actual kind of the... The, the, the flow between the players. I mean, it's, it's worth bearing in mind that at the start of the season, you know, we were bringing in like eight new players or something at the starting lineup. And it, it does kind of give you a sense of why we, you know, we were maybe hanging on a bit. But I would say yeah, I'll go for air away, particularly that first half. And then for the, the defensive performance in the second half, some of the, the saves from Big Kev to keep us in. So that way mine will be air away. Good choice. Anyone else picking air before we? We move it along. It was it was certainly a good performance. The goals in particular, um, I, I do. I, th- I think that I think it was the first one in particular. The the kind of link up play, um, for the goal was just out of this world. Like you say, I'm I'm not going to quite call him Zico yet, but um, it was it was pretty good. Um, Christina, what are you picking for your performance of the season so far? I went for the Inverness Cali Thistle game. Um, mainly because I had very low hopes for that game. So I'm never like that normally. I always say Rovers, 4-0, nearly every week. Um, and for that one game, I thought, I don't think this is going to happen, just from obviously the past history. And then to score that late on, it just was a fantastic, fantastic game. Um, obviously, we beat them after 23 years. I love a bit of drama. So yeah. that was great. And um, Jamie Gullen had just come on and he scored and it was just great. Um, and also for that game, it's a bit of a tangent, but I just wanted to mention we were one 0 that day, and I would love a proper statistician to give me the stats on. We seem to concede a goal very, very quickly after half time. A lot of the time, I think it must be the, first, <laughs> the first like ten, fifteen minutes. I don't know. That must be like a weak spot for us. But I remember thinking in that game, this is going to happen again. And I thought they were going to score first that day. So I would like more of that from Dabrowski to keep a clean sheet a bit more often. Um, I feel like that is a slight weak spot for us at the moment, though. So I'd like more of that. More it's of the one now. Definitely a thing in football. The I know that um, Ryan McGowan um, spoke about it on a podcast talking about Ange Postacoglu paying um, up for Australia. And that's something that Big Ange loves to hammer home, apparently, saying that like straight after kickoff is like you're most vulnerable. And again, it's probably a thing where like start of a, a second half adjusting to a game and sort of trying to adapt as 
Yeah, I feel I like it wouldn't surprise me if there is like an explanation behind it. It's just trying to find how to put it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been putting it down to the fact they've obviously sensed the way that we're playing, and then they've had their team talk at half time, and then they're coming out and changing their tactics a wee bit. But I feel like it's just a constant. I always feel a bit nervous at that point of the game now because I yeah. feel like it's becoming a bit of a pattern. But um, so I thought that's what was going to happen that day also. So it, when it gets to that point in the game and you're thinking it is just going to end nil nil, it was just a great a great end to it. It was fantastic. Not just nil-nil, nil-nil again. <laughs> <laughs> With those uh, Cali Thistle games, you, you kind of just got that sinking feeling whenever we played them, just that they were going to get like a spunny goal somehow. Like like that 2 all last season where Billy Mackay had the header six yeah. yards out from uh, on the back of a free kick, and you're thinking... It's criminal defending. It's just like how the how the fuck's he getting away with that? Um, so yeah, it's like uh, it's like watching a James Bond movie, but being a big Blofeld fan. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much it looks like James Bond's cooked. You know he's gonna come back in the last ten minutes. <laughs> That's a cracking analogy. <laughs> Very good, right, Duncan? So off the back of that, I mean, you've set yourself up now. But <laughs> well, actually, performance I'm gonna have to mute myself. <laughs> I've um I've gone for one where we scored right at the start of the second half, which I, I don't think happens very often. Um, I think that's a question for uh, for John Greer of this parish to look at the uh, when we concede these goals. But um, I'm going to go right back to the start of the season, to the two each game at Kilmarnock where we beat them on penalties afterwards. Just um, like, like Ian said, I kind of started sort of the most recent games and went back, and it's it's quite difficult to really pull out a proper kind of standout team performance. Um, mostly because the team's been really quite consistent; they're not really kind of peaked and troughed too much. But I think that game was a very good indicator of what was to come, because that was still pre you and Murray. You and Murray was on the bench, but he never played. Um, you know, Sean Byrne as well, but it was the first time I think you saw what this team could be, and uh, they were excellent. One of down at half time, came back that second half. The Rovers were incredibly unfortunate not to win that in the the ninety minutes, and then I think the penalty shootout was very much the the making of Kevin Dubrovsky as well in terms of that kind of. I don't think it took much convincing for anyone, but that really got the kind of personality buy-in from everybody. And then we maybe had to wait a few weeks before we got the sort of performance buy-in um, from that, which is there's maybe a bit of a question mark for some people. But um, I also I was at that game, and it was just brilliant fun as much as anything. Um, a really, really good game. Really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, that's my pick for uh, for best performance. That's a good pick. Um, we've actually got quite a range of games. Um, it's been mentioned already. My pick actually is the Queen's Park game. Um, and for completely the reason that's already been mentioned um, several times um, on this podcast, we would not have won that game the year before. Like, we just wouldn't have. Um, in fact, we wouldn't have even drawn it. We'd have lost it. Um, to to come up against the Queen's Park side, that they were still in pretty good form at that point. They did seem to drop off a little bit. Um, are, are kind of around about that, that time. A young side um, play some really, really good football. Um, I was really impressed actually first half of how tidy they were, how well organised they were, how how you know I mean how they moved the ball about so quickly. Um, and you then you know you've got the mistake from from the goalkeeper um, who doesn't crumble at that point. You know, he, he, as much as I mean I've, I've criticised him and, and to be fair I think justified, but he. Um, yeah. He, he held his own 
Do you know what I mean? He 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 lost a, a criminal goal and then didn't he didn't he fall apart? Um and the team kind of rallied around him, which was quite nice. Um you've got Lewis Vaughan coming off the bench, scoring twice, um, to, to kind of win the game, 94th minute, that whole kind of it felt like that kind of turning of the tide, that kind of, you know, the same old, same old wasn't happening anymore. Um, just a, a, it was a great afternoon. <laughs> Didn't feel like it the whole way through, in fairness, but um, by the end of the 94 minutes or 95 minutes or whatever it was in the end, it was a, it was a great, great win. So yeah, that's that's my pick um, for best performance. So we'll um, we'll move it along unless anyone's got anything they want to add on the the Queen's Park game. I was just going to add on the end there, like we've we've currently got a similar points total to what we had after the first quarter in McGlynn's last season, but we're going about it in a completely kind of more sustainable way. So I think you can see by the answers that we've all given here that there's a big spread and it was obviously difficult to choose. But see, in the Glens last season, we had Connolly and specifically Zanata just bending in a fucking 30 yarder every week. Like, see this year, we've not got that and we've not kind of scored those sorts of goals. But see, scrapping wins and, and kind of digging them out, that's teams that do well over the length of a season. I think it's really encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with, within that group of games there, you've got Kilmarnock coming back from a goal down because we went 1-0 down that day, didn't we? Yep. And came back to go 2-1 up um, and then they equalised. You've got air away where we ran them riot in the first half and then they came back at us in the second half and we held their own, got them firming away. Do you know what I mean? Where it's a, a genuine derby, scrappy, kind of 1-0 holding on. Um, you've got Inverness, a game where for 27 years we haven't done it. Um, it, it just hasn't happened. Um, so or twenty three years, twenty three years. But um, yeah, a, a real range of games there, and I think it shows the difference in the side this year as well. They're winning games in lots of different ways. We could have also thrown in there the Morton game. I mean, there's other kind of ways that they've won games. Percent. I would. Um, um, I would just just to expand on that. I probably would have left it to the end to say this, but I'll just say it now. I feel like just the whole mentality about the. The place. I don't think it would have happened without the shift that's happened in the mentality at the club and um, everyone that's been involved. I think that everyone involved in the club deserves a lot of credit for the way that we are and I just feel like it's just everyone's got the buy-in and that's why you're seeing um, seeing what's happened just now. The performances, you feel like there's still more to come but mm -hmm. um, again, I don't think like stuff like you were talking about Dubrovsky there, and obviously, like he made a mistake, but again, that you can bounce back from your mistakes and you can have that. Um, I feel just in general that we're completely heading in the right direction, and again, I really want to see what happens in terms of players coming back from injury because I really hope that it's very quickly and that we can just get that sort of luck um, for once. Because if we can't, there's no reason we can't kick on. There is absolutely zero reason that we can't kick on if we get the, the, the luck in terms of that front. So, yeah, yeah that's yeah. just where I'm at. I'm just going to come in very quickly with a start. I'm going to steal Christina's job and uh, come in with a start. So all the last season, if I remember rightly, we managed four points from games where we'd gone behind. And we scored something like five goals. And one of those points was a penalty away at Queen's Park. 
our growth away last season was the only game we won, having gone behind. So, I mean, it just illustrates we're already kind of past those numbers already, the shift and then the mentality throughout the whole squad. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a real different feel about the place, and we say it every week, but it's it's nice, um, and, and long may it continue. Um, right, so we'll focus in then. Um, that was our, our best team performance of the season so far. Um, narrowing it down now to an individual performance um, within a single game. Um, so, Christina, I'll come to you first. Who's your pick for performance of the season so far? So, I believe that um, John Greer and Duncan Cameron have been on the radio putting it out there that um, Dylan Easton's the best player in the championship. And I disagree. Um, my <laughs> best individual performance Ooh. is Sam Stanton, and he is the best player in the championship at the moment. And I couldn't even think of one game. It's just all the time, constantly. That's just Sam Stanton. Just a constant, amazing. He's just, and it's not even the fact that he's amazing and what he brings to the game. It's, his personality and character I really like as well. He's not like showy, he just gets on with the job. And I just think, I just love watching him play football. And I'm a big fan of Lewis Vaughan, so he can't do any wrong in my eyes, even yeah. though he probably does do wrong sometimes. But Sam Stanton is just, I just think he's fantastic. And I hope we keep him for a very, very, very long time. Yeah, I, uh, I, think that's, I think that's very fair. Um, Sam Stanton to me is one of these guys who could go a season without being man of the match, but win player yeah. of the year. Yeah. Like, because he's he's making. I think that game at Air United is a is a really good example. Without a doubt, Dylan Easton was man of the match. Dylan Easton, the best player in the division, was man of the match. But both his goals, Sam Stanton gave them to him. Mm. Like Sam Stanton's providing that he's doing all that work that he always does. So um yeah, no, I think that's that's really fair and it's Sam Stanton probably deserves a little bit more credit than he maybe gets because he's not doing the, the showy stuff. I'm gonna get on the radio on Saturday, Duncan, and put it out there. I am not recommending you to Kenny McIntyre. <laughs> Kenny McIntyre slides in my DMs again and is Robbie, are you coming on the radio? Oh, sorry, Kenny, I can't make it. Who can come on? I'll go through every other person just to keep the Dylan Easton meme alive. Because it's rattled the Dundee United fans something fierce as well, actually. I'll say that. I listened to one of uh, one of their podcasts sort of post-match about like their trip to Kirkcaldy. And again, bleating on about the surface. And they're like, oh, Dylan Easton's a shite bag. And you're like, lads, just fucking tuck it in, eh? Just... Brilliant. Anybody else got a, a Sam Stanton performance before we, we shuffle it along to somebody else in the front four? I think I burnt my boats already when I compared him to Zico, so that was what I had on my list as well, was uh, Sam Stanton versus Air, so we can uh, jog on. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good shout. Um, okay, so Duncan, I'll bring it to you then. What's your performance of the season from an individual so far? Um, so, last time we were on, talking about the Montrose game, the kind of back half of that podcast, we had a bit of chat about how I don't really like players playing out of position. So, uh, in light of that, I've gone for uh, Scott McGill playing left back at East End Park. Um, <laughs> I don't feel that noise. <laughs> just because, actually, to be fair, it goes to uh, it goes. To, I think it was Ian who said it already. He'd been up against. Um, he kind of played right back already in the League Cup game. Kind of struggled a wee bit. Him and um, Watson didn't really have too much of an understanding. They were leaving gaps. 
that kind of put you in a great kind of mindset, you think, when you're then playing on the wrong side um, and out of position. But he was excellent. I think he really kind of personified what the whole team did that day, which was essentially just muck in, do your job, track your runners, don't let anything go. I mean, quite possibly, <laughs> to come back to him, Sam Stanton was maybe actually more in line for a kind of man of the match that day. But looking at it and what it meant to the kind of the rest of the team, as yeah, I'm going to go for uh, for the utility man Scott McGill at East End Park. That's a great shout, great shout. Um, Ian, coming to you. Yeah, I went for uh, I went for Easton against Dundee United. I always think a very good indicator of how well a player has played is how much he annoys the opposition fans, and they were very much annoyed. So on that basis, I think that's an excellent choice. It was a very, it was a game of two halves. Let's not get away from it. Like I, I think in the first half he was electric going forward. He seems to just have this like relentless energy as well. Like he's back and forward the park and he gets in the ball and he loves his wee step over and like it was him that kind of had the the one in the second half where we all kind of not should have had a penalty because I think the 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 fullback was probably slightly too close. But I just think he's so dangerous. But in the second half. We saw another side to Easton, which was he played a lot deeper and he dropped in a lot and he really helped his fullback. And that's not a side of Easton that we've really seen a massive amount of. You know, you think of Easton, you think of him being electric going forward and beating his man and nutmegging players and making arse of someone. But the second half, he really had to dig in and he did. Uh, I thought I thought he was superb. I thought he was man of the match. I don't think he actually got man of the match, but for me, he was definitely man of the match that day. I thought I thought he was superb. Yeah, I'd agree completely. That was actually my pick as well. Um, And I agree with everything you said. I think it was the first game for me with with Dylan Easton where he's given us 90 minutes. And and I don't think that's a a massive criticism of him because he's such an effective kind of player that to do that for 90 minutes is is nigh on impossible. You can't do what he does for 90 minutes. Do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, the the other side of the game, I think you hit the nail on the head there completely. It was the, the defensive side. It was the most... Connolly-esque performance I've seen from Dylan Easton in terms of just the work ethic and the dig and everything else. Um, yeah, that was my pick as well. I thought he was absolutely fantastic that day. Um, right, Robbie, that leaves us with you then. Best individual performance of the season so far. Um, yeah, you've. Uh, I think he just got pissed off because he got left on the bench. Uh, Lewis Vaughan against Queen's Park uh, just got subbed on, scored two goals, and he just looked absolutely fucking fuming while doing it. It was beautiful. <laughs> All the rage of a man that's missed about four or five seasons through cruciate ligament injuries. And even coming off the pitch, you could see he was like, he's obviously happy. He's glad the team have won. But it was like, come on, lads. Let's fucking no fanny about here. He just went out the pitch, just got the goals. Just him and Easton were just linking up. um, And yeah, admittedly, it was against 10 men. But Queen's Park just... We uh, did very, very well to get that result. Um, falls very much into the bracket that we've already spoken about, games that we wouldn't have got anything from last season. But yeah, just he, he came on and he just was completely unplayable. And it, that's what you want to see from him. Um, he's just that type of player that will get people on their feet. Um, so much ability. And it was just a perfect example of it. And uh, just a, an honourable mention as well from that same game, the Queen's Park goalkeeper, 16-year-old Callan McKenna, yeah. quite possibly the, the, the best individual performance 
I think that we've seen this season. Um, it was unbelievably good in that game for for, for anyone, uh, let alone someone who's sixteen and was playing about his fifth professional game. Yeah, I, th- I think if he continues to keep playing a good level, he'll be the Scotland goalie. Yeah, I think he's that good. Me. He is superb. Uh, he's got the. He's. It doesn't, as you say, Duncan. He doesn't look sixteen. though. I think it was Sean said it on like the tennis podcast when he was talking about that game after. You're thinking, all oh, right, they've got like some young lads in the squad, and then someone points out to you, he's sixteen, but he's about like six foot one. He's like Kieran Bowie esque, and that like, hey, you shouldn't be like that at all. Well, hey, what the fuck's going on there? Doesn't doesn't carry himself. Doesn't sort of conduct himself like you would expect from a. Aye. And he looks commanding as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a, yeah. a relatively young back four, um, or a relatively young team that they've got. But there was points where he was literally roaring it at players for being out of position or for doing something wrong. And you're thinking for a 16-year-old. I mean, we talked about Adam Masson through the week doing basically the same kind of idea um, for the Rovers last week. But, um, yeah, really assured performance. Um, and I think it was you, Duncan, was saying that he's picked up an injury as well. So... Um, hopefully a, a quick recovery for him because he's he's clearly a kid with a, a bright future. Yeah, definitely. Okay, That's so we'll, we'll... non Rovers players. <laughs> Indeed, it's warranted though. I think that was fair. Um, we'll move it along to something that that every um, football fan loves to to rave about, and we've had a few. Um, I think that we can choose from. But Leslie, I'm going to come to you first with your best goal of the season so far. So I'm going for a goal that is something Christina alluded to earlier. And that is Jamie Gillen's goal against Inverness. As much for the, the context, but also because it was an extremely good goal. So, the thing about Jamie Gillen, as we know, like, when I was a student, I used to play Pro Evolution Soccer on PlayStation 2. And I had this mental block. I could never play through the middle. I'd always have to take the centre forward out to the wing and then turn back inside and then cut in and then hit it as hard as I could. And it didn't matter if it was Adriano, if it was Hernan Crespo, Thierry Henry, whoever it was, I would just release it from the edge of the box and it would go screaming in. That is not exactly what Jamie Gullen did against Inverness. He did the first bit, but then Leslie's PlayStation controller directed, and rather than just unleashing a shot over David Carson's head, he stepped over, turned Carson inside out, and unleashed a shot off his left foot past a sprawling Mark Ridgers. And I think it was just magnificent. They're just actually that little kind of, you know, turning Carson inside out because Carson's another of these wee rages that you like to to, to see him falling on his backside. And, you know, just turning it in and getting that win for us against Inverness. Power that went into as well because normally what then happens with Inverness, as we know, is that Ridgers makes a spectacular save and one of the giant defenders launches it down and then some 17-year-old called Brogan Fraser or something from Bewley does a reverse Rabona from the halfway line and we end up losing so just for the whole context, as well as the power, Jamie Gullen's goal against Inverness is a pick for me. So I had that one as well, um, and I just titled it the most cathartic goal of the season so far, uh, because it was just, we didn't play well that day. Cali had a few, sort of, there was a few bubbles in the box where Cali might have scored, and you're just thinking, oh, here we go again. And then for Gullen to come on, and get that goal, um, and just the celebrations from it was just fantastic. Just it, it, you just had a feeling at that point, like you think, all right, we're we've managed to get out of the league cup for the second time ever in terms of the group stages. So that's off the list this season. We've beat 
Dunfermline away for the first time in 10 years. That's off the list. We've gone really strongly to our start to the league. We need to bury this Cali hoodoo because it's gone on far too long. And we've had very, very good teams across the years that have not been able to beat Cali by hook, by crook. And yet Gullen comes on and as Leslie so beautifully described there, just an absolute rocket of a goal and it was fully worthy of ending that hoodoo. The other goal that I sort of picked as an alternative to that was um, Staten and Easton um, down at air um, with the, the second goal. Um, just the build-up play for that was phenomenal. But if anyone's got that, we can talk about it. If anyone wants to wax lyrical about Jamie Gullen, continue. Feel free. I need to say something about Jamie Gullen. It was last season, it was the Christmas game, so the 23rd of December last season, I think it was. Um, I remember walking to my seat and thinking that it was Ian Sterling that was sitting in my seat. But thinking to myself, Ian Sterling's never at a Rovers match in Cody at this time of year. I'm sitting there for about the first half of the game and then I heard them talking and I thought, that is definitely Ian Sterling. Why is he at the Rovers? So I did a bit of detective work on social media and then the next day he proclaimed his love for Jamie Gullen and said Jamie Gullen is the best player in the world. So he's definitely a Jamie Gullen fan. I think it stems from the fact that he's a Hibs fan also. But um, I think Ian Sterling is a, a Jamie Gullen supporter. Well, there you go. Join the club. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to jump in quickly because I also picked that goal. Um, for all the reasons that have been said, that the hoodoo, the main reason. Um, but actually, when we talk about, you know, we talk about the things that the team wouldn't have done last year. We wouldn't have won that game, or we wouldn't have drawn that game. Um, <clears throat> Jamie Gullen wouldn't have cut back on his left foot last season. Um, he'd have cannoned it off the shins of the man in front of him, um, and it had bounced out for a throw-in because um, he's done it countless times. Um, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the coaching, if it's the players around him. There's something a wee bit different in him. He, he draws it onto his left foot and, and unleashes um, an absolute thunderbolt of a strike. So, yeah, that was that was my pick also. Um, a fantastic goal. Um, Duncan, I'll come to you next. Uh, I've gone for a hipster's choice. Uh, so I'm going to go back to pre-season and uh, go for Josh Mullins second against Long Lithgow Rose. <laughs> and uh, I think it was the very first game of the season. I'm away at the YouTube highlights to watch this because I can't. It's a belter, to be fair. It's an absolute belter. Now I think there's a slight caveat, in as much as if it's not pre-season, I don't think Mullen hits it first time. But mm. I think we were possibly already two or three nil up, and he does. But it's a beauty. So Scott McGill, as he does, digs the ball out in the middle of the park, and it's kind of bobbling around as it comes to Callum Smith, who's maybe 25 yards out, and the centre half comes out to close him down. And he just knocks the ball up in the air, you know, maybe 15 feet up in the air over the defender. And as it's coming down, it's coming down on the 18-yard line. And Josh Mullen just runs onto it and hits it flush, full on the volley, right in the top corner. It's uh, one of these goals that not the most um, illustrious of, of circumstances or surroundings, but the, the technique and the execution is is next level. So, uh, so I've gone for that. I'm guessing no one else has picked Josh <laughs> Mullins second in the Rose friendly from, from pre-season. Um, Christina, what's your, uh, what's your goal of the season so far? I went for Callum Smith against Morton. 
Um, that was the one where he basically took it from the halfway line and we had the massive build-up to him scoring it. And as, that's definitely going to be a contender for overall goal of the season, I'm sure, at the end of the season awards. And also just because I picked that because I hate Morton and I think they're ranked rotten and their players are rotten and their manager rotten. So I really was glad that day when Callum Smith did that. They really are. They really are. Um, they really, really, really are. I don't know what's uh, what. Morton or that referee from a couple of weeks ago. I can't decide. But you'd get off the fence about Morton, like I want to go to the Okay, Ian, so that leaves us with, with yourself with your pick of the goal of the season so far. I went uh, that man again, it's Dylan Easton uh, against Dunfermline uh, in the cup. The kind of the ball drops to him on the edge of the box and he kind of somehow manages to kind of fashion the ball with his left kind of thigh which across his body and then gives the defender the kind of snake hips and then drags it back on the right hand with his kind of right foot and then goes forward and plays like a like a beautiful kind of chipped finish into the far corner. I did think that Lewis Vaughan was going to spoil it and kick it in the net and be offside but thankfully, uh, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully he didn't. Um, Dylan does uh, coaching um, with Joe Cardle Academy and my nephew kind of gets sessions with him because he's a Rovers fan and he, he loves going along and stuff. So it's just across the road from my house. So I was over watching him and, and uh, I was speaking to, to Dylan and I was kind of giving him a stinking for missing that penalty against Kilmarnock. So uh, yeah, fully fully repaid it with that goal against them. Like, it's just a very Dylan Easton goal. I don't think there's many other players in our squad that, that would score that goal. Just that kind of low centre of gravity and the way they kind of slaloms through and then just the, the the perfect finish to lift it over the goalie, um, yeah, just a just a, a very good goal from a very good player. Indeed, well, you're going to get any argument on that. Um, seems like a lovely way to to wrap up our goals of the season so far as well. Um, sticking one at the pars um, in front of the south stand is always a, a nice way to do it, isn't it? Really. Um, right. So our last one, and I'm I'm kind of conscious of time a little bit, but we'll um, we'll we'll keep this one in. This one we'll do as quick as we can, but this one is best is yet to come. So looking for a player, it doesn't have to be a new sign-in, but just a player who hasn't quite reached what you think is their peak for the season so far. Um, so Duncan, I'll come to you first. Uh, I'm going to go for Jack Hamilton. I think he has been good so far this season, but he's been good sort of in the service of others. He's done a lot of work bringing other people into games. I think what's still to come from him is um, a few more goals and a bit more of that kind of classic number nine play from him. He's definitely got that in his locker. We've seen that previously. I don't think he's had a good run at it with um, kind of fitness so far this season. He's obviously out again. Um, If this game miraculously goes ahead on Saturday, I think he's ruled out. So hopefully once he's back again, he gets a good run at it and the goals will come from him. Yeah, I think so. I'm... And I'm not going to throw this out there too much, but anybody else got Jack as their pick? Nope. Okay, so moving on, Leslie. My pick would be the man again we spoke about just a minute ago, and that would be Jamie Gullen. And I think he's got a really big six months ahead of him because, if I understand rightly, you know his contract's up, and he's had a really tough run of it. I mean, I think effectively since we signed him on a permanent deal, it's been quite hard, I think, to get a clear picture of, you know, what his best sort of role for us is. Just because, you know, you get about four or five games out of him that he breaks down with something. And having said that, though, like, you think back over the last few years to some of the really great memories we've had as Rovers fans, you know, beating these 5-3, five, five, 
And, you know, the, the Dunfermline 5-1 game, the Motherwell Cup game, beating Inverness. And Jamie Gullen is a common factor in a lot of those. So, you know, he's been a really good servant to the club over the last few years. I think that there's really a solid championship attacking player in there. But I just really want him to have an injury-free six months where we can really, as I say, get a clearer picture of what it is he can bring to the team and, you know, hopefully get him into a position where we can we can feel we want to keep him on into the future. Because as I say, he's, he's done a lot for us over the last few years. And I'd like to see him kick on. Yeah, he kind of needs a, he needs a break, doesn't he? He's just not had that, that run of the green at all. Um, Robbie, what about for yourself? Uh, maybe a, a, a slightly um, surprising choice in this one, but I've got actually gone for Lewis Vaughan. Um, I feel that now that he's getting back to, to sort of how we can expect him to play, um, because we know that he's got the talent and the history is obviously there for everyone to see. Um, but yeah, I feel like if Lewis gets a run of games properly um, and he can find the form that we know that he can get into, then it's not that he's played poorly so far this season by any means. I think he's still our top sco- goal scorer. Um, but looking ahead... I feel like he could kick on just a completely different level if he can get this this run going with the players that we've got in our squad. If we use him and utilise him in the way that he can be used, I think that he's got all the potential to kick on and just be sensational for the next uh, remainder of the season. That's a good show. What about for yourself, Ian? Uh, I've gone for what feels like Wraith Rover's forgotten man at this point, Aidan Connolly. I think a lot of people have forgotten that Aidan Connolly was comfortably comfortably our best player for the last two seasons yeah. and see when he's fit he's a starter like he, he starts at right midfield him and Ross Mallon as a, as a brilliant duo um, I think getting him 90 minutes a game against Montrose and by all means he seems to have come through it really well that's massive and getting him in the team and firing is huge for us like he's comfortably one of the best attacking players in the championship and I feel like I, I've obviously listened to each episode that we've done barely mentioned Genuinely, really mentioned it, and I know he's been out, but I think a lot of people have forgotten that that he is an excellent, excellent championship forward. Once he's fit and firing, he plays, and he plays well, and I think he wins us games. I actually, yeah, I'm going to just jump in there before we go to Christina. I've said exactly the same. Um, Connolly, for me, was the one that um, I think he adds something totally different um, for us. It's that 90 minutes thing as well um, that I think he brings to the team that's probably different from everybody else in that you know, that front four. Um, it'll be quite interesting to see, I think, once everybody is, or if everybody is fit, um, whether he does start every week. Um, he, he certainly should for me, but um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes um, going forward. Christina, just to, to finish up with yourself then, who's your best is yet to come? Um, I definitely agree with Robbie. Um, Lewis Vaughan, definitely, I don't think we've seen the best of him, but I went for Dabrowski because since podcast one, I just feel like this guy is such a character, and we've said it so many times. I just He's got it in him to be like a notorious rover. Like he's going to do something that puts us on the map. Like I think he's going to win us the season or something. Like he's going to do something in one game that's so important, and that's just going to be it. And I just feel like everybody's going to love him. And it's just going to, week by week, he's, he's definitely improving, but I think he's going to hit a peak, and it's just going to be exactly at the right moment, and he's going to go down in history. You know what's um, funny about Dubrovsky is that he obviously does so well in penalty shootouts, but I don't think I don't know if we've actually given away a penalty yet 
Like, no. but ah, it's just a really weird one. I'm trying to wrap my brains to think, but aye, I, you don't want to give away penalties, but you feel comfortable knowing that he's there, in a sense. You just feel like he's that type of person that is like, end of a game one time, it'll be and it'll be in front of the south stand and it'll be a penalty, and Dubrovsky and you're like, this is your moment. Just go and fuck it and take it and fucking run with it, big man. Um, so, the irony saying that, he'll get Penenkud. He'll get Penenkud and I'll be fucking fuming. <laughs> I was going to say we had McDonald last year, obviously, who I think it's fair to say wasn't the greatest penalty saver in the world. I mean, he saved a couple, but it was one of those I never ever felt when when somebody stood up against McDonald that he was. It had to be I. That he was going to save it, kind of thing. And then we, I'm sure he, we got a penalty against Morton this season, and he saved it. Aye, aye, that's a good point. So, yeah, swings and roundabouts, I suppose, isn't it? Right, so that wraps up um, our Simply the Best so far. Um, and we'll stick them up on the social media channels and stuff after the, the show tonight um, and, and hopefully get a bit of an input from everybody that's currently screaming at their phones or their headphones walking through the park um, like a lunatic um, about how wrong we are about all of that. But um, every input is always welcome. So we'll finish up um, with a, a relatively brief one, but in light of the fact that Saturday's game is very unlikely to go ahead due to a storm. Um, this week's big question is what is the worst conditions you have ever seen a game being played in? Um, so, Leslie, I think I'll come to you first. This is, to be honest, quite a difficult one for me on account of the fact that because I'm a chuchter and I live out in the sticks, if there's bad conditions, usually I'm no getting to the game. Just to give one example of this, so I must have been primary school and uh, my dad and I were driving down um, from from Inverness for a game, and it was Aberdeen actually, and there was a frozen pitch, and we got to Starks Park before finding that the game had been called off. But in terms of games that I've actually been at, the one I'm going for is Tynecastle, the um, McRae's Battalion one in 2014. I think oh, we were under the roofs. I don't think we appreciate just how wet it was out there. And you know, everybody came out and then they had the piper and they were doing flowers in the forest and the piper was soaking. But then, you know, the game started and it very quickly became apparent that the players, I think, I, was, I turned to my dad and I says, I don't think they can tell who's who. Because, you know, we had the, that magnificent black and, and green hooped remember strip. And of course it got wet and then the Hearts Maroon strip got wet. Blood doesn't show on maroon, but rainwater certainly does. And everybody just looked identical. And then, of course, Ali Mozturk hit that shot from very far out and just the thing's been so wet, and that's the excuse anyway, it slipped through David McGurn's hands. So just because of how incredibly wet that day was, I'm going with it, Time Castle in 2014. That's a good shout, actually. I've forgotten all about that game. It was absolutely brutal that night. It was one of those as well where you think, had it not been for all the furore around the McCray's Battalion and the remembrance and things, you know, would it have actually gone ahead? Um, but it was, it was brutal. Um, Ian, I'll come to you. I think the worst one that I can think of is the Partick Thistle away game, um, oh, yeah. February 2021, I believe. The worst fog I've ever seen a game take place in. Just terrible. Like, we kind of got there and parked up and we were like, this isn't looking great. Like, this is, this is pretty bad. It's kind of pea soup already. And it's like quarter past two. So we got in and, and the game kicked off. And uh, it was fine if it, we were in the main stand. It was fine if it was closer, closer to us. But if it was over on the other one, is it the Jackie Husband? If it was over at the other stand, we're kind of like, 
someone would run into the fog with the ball and then someone else would run back out the fog with it. You couldn't really tell what had, what had happened. So it was nil-nil. Um, and Christoph Berra got sent off after an hour. And if memory serves me correctly, we tried to appeal it because we were absolutely convinced, because the dugouts were on our side. Our side, John, yeah. John McGlynn was absolutely convinced that it wasn't a red card, but because the film footage was filmed from the back of the Jackie husband, the film footage was too foggy and they couldn't make it out. And it got, I don't think they, uh, I don't think they ended up doing it. Was uh, Johnny Bell not the linesman that day? Yes, he was. Uh, yeah, I've yeah, seen him in Kitties many a thing. Um, the Rovers actually appealed for footage as well. They yeah, yeah, they did. They footage. Aye. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I actually we were we were in hospitality for that game, so we 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 usually do at least one hospitality at home every season. But we decided to do an away hospitality for the first time, and we actually no, we've done at least five. But we went to Partick, and it was that thing of like you say, you turn up, but we were there at like I don't know half eleven or twelve o'clock or something. It was really early, and you couldn't see a thing. And then we went in, and it was just coming out of COVID, so like kind of a lot of things were still in place. They weren't allowed to shut the doors in. Um, hospitality for fear of COVID spreading, right? And it's February, and it's absolutely Baltic. So we are sitting in the middle of hospitality, genuinely frozen solid, like yeah, absolutely freezing. It was worse. It was uh, just before Christmas, I remember. Uh, oh, that's right, yeah. I, I, what I remember about that game was I had to go and get the bus. Um, I was getting a bus from uh, Buchanan Street, and... Um, I left the game by about three minutes to go. Or, nah, it must have been a bit before that, like ten minutes to go. Or there was that much injury time. There was something stupid about it. Um, I left, nil-nil. Get to the subway at George Cross. Go down the subway, up to Cannon Street. Come up. First thing that happens as soon as I get out, I'm thinking, I've draw's a pretty good place at Fur Hill. We still keep this unbeaten record going with ten men. And then, heart broken. Just seeing yeah. that it was last kick of the game. There's yeah. something about playing the te- the Thistle team, so wherever we're playing Cali away or um, away at Fur Hill, there seems to be always at least once every a few years, there's a very foggy game. I don't know what it is, but just... Uh, just one, one, up, one, one last thing on that one, just before we move on. Um, it's the only game I've ever been at where there was an audible difference in the, the time that the fans in one stand and the fans in the other realised that the ball had hit the net. So the Jackie Husband stand obviously had a better view and they celebrated first and the fans on the left-hand side then heard their fans celebrating and then subsequently celebrating. Never heard it before. We were also on a 15-game unbeaten run going into that game. And then after that, I don't think we won a game for, I don't know how long, a long time and basically our season went in the pan not long after that. Uh, It was uh, the Queen of the South game that we won in, like I don't know, it was March or so. Terrible terrible season, to be honest. It should never have gone ahead. Duncan, what about for yourself? Worst conditions you've seen a game? Uh, 2017, we had a game abandoned at Stranraer. And uh, I drove down to that one. And it was coming down like the A77. You're right on the West Coast. And there was waves coming over the road. And it was like, <laughs> uh, this doesn't have a good feel about it. Like this, this doesn't have a 90 minutes kind of vibe. But um, got down there, kind of parked up outside Stair Park, like next to the bandstand, into the game. And again, just like, as soon as it kicked off, like, nobody fancies this. Nobody wants this. Nobody has any belief this game's getting finished. Um, Vonnie's got a free kick. So an absolute belter, a wind-assisted free kick. Um, and then about five minutes before half-time, Stranraer equalised with a corner kick that, like, kind of swung in and then out again and then kind of get caught in, like, a wind vortex before it eventually dropped at the penalty spot. 
the boy put it in the goal, and the referee was like, oh, thank fuck for that. Right, it's one each. We're going home. <laughs> Calls it off. <clears throat> Nobody's complaining. Everybody just wants to get home. So get back out the ground, and I'd park from the grass, out like next to this bandstand, and the car's just in like half a foot of water. So to get in the car, go into Stranraer to try and find like a supermarket with a clothes section so I could buy like fresh socks because my feet were just sodden. So by the time I'd done that, get back in the road, back up to A77, and there's a fire engine just parked across the road. And the boy's like, road shut. He's like, what you've got to do is like, just go, like basically inland. And he's like, just in you go. He's like, up the road. Uh, so you see a sign for uh, Newton Stewart. He's like, take a left, keep going, you'll be fine. So I was like, all right, cool. That's like a good, what, three minutes worth of directions. And an hour I was going. And I was like, I don't know where I am. I'm, I'm halfway to the the east coast by this point. And I see this sign for Newton's Church. I was like, Jesus Christ, where am I? I was at the house for 10 hours that day. And I saw 42 minutes of football. Why am I thinking of the, uh, the episode of The Simpsons where it's like... Grandpa Simpson's in the back in the toilet. <laughs> Go by the world's largest toilet. That was what it felt like. I mean, a proper uh, a proper tour of the uh, southwest quadrant of Scotland. Brutal. I'm actually I'll jump in there as well because my game is also at Stranraer, um, but it wasn't that one. Um, showing my age, going back to the the season we actually won um, the second division under John McGlynn, so 2008-2009. Um, and it's pretty much this time of year. I think it was October 20-something, 25th or 26th or something, um, and we're strung right away, um, and myself, two of my mates, and my wife decide to go down and make it a weekend in Stranraer, um, as you do. So we go down on the Friday night, um, park up, um, find a and b that we're, we're staying at, um, out on the drink. We end up in the Stranraer Social Club on the Friday night, and it's a 60th birthday party. So we're half cut, just wander straight in, straight to the buffet, help ourselves, um, on the dance floor, dancing. The, the the woman whose birthday it is ends up coming up and thanking us for turning up because no one was dancing before we arrived. Had an absolute whale of a night. Back to the, the B&B, woke up the next morning, really hungover, go for breakfast. And the woman who runs the B&B breaks it to us that her husband, who works on the ferries, um, has just said that all the ferries are cancelled because there's a Force 9 gale or something coming in off the Irish Sea. And it's at that point, like, as I say, a day into our weekend, we go, shit, this game's not even going to go ahead, is it? Um, but it does does go ahead, um, and we beat them 2-0. Gary Wales and Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith scored an absolute beauty of a, I want to say full volley, but I think it's maybe just in time it's become better the more I think about it. Um, but yeah, an absolutely brutal game. My wife at the very back of the what was the little kind of stand, jacket on, hood up, hat round. I'd never even watched the game, hating me. Um, but yeah, an absolutely brutal day in a brutal part of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, over to you. Yeah, well, I think there's a, a lot of games that can get mentioned over the years. I'm going to pick out a few, actually. Why not? Uh, I know that you're sort of conscious about runtime, but let's be honest, we're well over it now anyway. We're no <laughs> concerned about that. There, there's going to be people that are going to be happy. They'll see that it's an hour and a half long podcast about race rovers and there's no fucking game on. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so, thinking back to that season, we had a game against Sterling, uh, Sterling away. I think we lost at 1-0, and the weather there was horrendous. It was um, exceptionally rainy, but I just can't remember too much about the game. I think, or, or no, it might have been that we actually won it, and Alan Walker scored directly from a corner or something stupid like that. Yes, or, uh, yes he did. Aye. Uh, because he did that... It might, I think have been, it, was Bobby Sloan. it might have been Bobby Sloan. We had one up at Dingwall that I remember where uh, Walker scored from a corner. We lost that one 4-2. Me and my mate went up and um, ended up in the Viking bar, which had uh, half the floor was carpet and the other half was plywood, which is uh, interesting. Uh, but the game that I think that probably the majority of people that are listening right now are saying, how the fuck have they not mentioned this one, is when we played Arbroath and we lifted the old Division 2 um, back in that 09-010 season, which was yeah, just infamous downpour, and the game never would have went ahead had we not won the uh, the title at Hamden the week before, uh, which I don't think anyone expected when they rocked up to Hamden, um, thanks to, to one Mr Greg Spence. Um but yeah, that uh, that game against Arbroath was ridiculous. It was just tipping it down. You had just the splashes off the pitch. Just very. See, when I saw that Scotland Georgia game in the summer, me and my mate were at that one, and you're seeing the water come off of the pitch, and I was like, that reminds me of uh, when we played Arbroath at home. But the it just cleared up though. It cleared up so well for us actually lifting the title. Um, and you had just obviously ridiculous celebrations. Big Mar tried to get a goal through a diving header because he came back and had that 10-game spell where he was absolutely unstoppable. And then David McGurn. Yep, that was it. And um, David McGurn um, and Big Gary O diving face first <laughs> into the mud at the end and lifting up the trophy. And I've got the video of that on my phone. Um, but I just really, really enjoyable. Um day and just the memories of that season just are something that I think I was talking about that last Saturday actually that was one of my favourite seasons following the Rovers because we just had, just seemed to constantly score 90th minute goals every other week it was just a very fun season and to to go if we ever get any players on from that season I'd love to talk about that sort of 10 games to go where Air beat us at Starks and they had the biggest celebration because they went like three points ahead and then yeah. we just kept pace with them and then Sterling away um, in the, the second game that we played at Fourth Bank Stevie Hislop scored after Kevin doing Smith his broke his leg uh, Kevin Smith broke his leg Stevie Hislop's jumping into the stand to celebrate with his dad who's another former Rover and just right. uh, uh, just a beautiful beautiful season um, that, our both, that our both game um, my brother was actually the groundsman at the time uh, for, over that kind of period of time so obviously he's out kind of forking the park and stuff before the game and there's a lot of like this is this is never gonna be on, this is never gonna be on. The referee turned up and he kinda of went and spoke to him. And he, usually the referee comes out with the ball and stuff. I mean, my brother went and said, like, what do you think? And the referee was just like, ah, it'll be on. Yeah, don't don't worry about it. Like we're we're playing. Both teams, like we'd already won the league hand cover both are already already safe, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, very much one of those where if there was anything to play for, it definitely would not have been on. But as a result of you know, both teams having nothing to play for. The referee was happy to just let it go. And it was a farce, like, let's be honest. It was an absolute farce. It really was. It was a great... You're, you're absolutely right, Robbie. It was a great season, like, following them. You're saying about nobody expecting us to win the league that year. Um, I actually got married in the summer after it, so I'd booked my stag do 
Uh, me and a bunch of boys went to Bratislava firing shotguns and drinking beer and all the usual stuff you do on a, on a stag do. Um, and my mate Craig, I'll give him a shout out, he went to every single game home and away that season, um, except for Hamden, because we were in Bratislava for last Oh, night. no! <laughs> the one game in the whole season that he missed. Um, and as you say, Spence scores the goal for Alloa um, against the 16 and- at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, weird scores for us, and we left the. I, I remember sitting in the pub in Bratislava, just looking at him like I'm so happy, but I am so sorry. <laughs> I, I, me and my me and my mate, we went to the game, and we were like, "Ah, oh, we'll get a pie before the start." And we went into the pie queue about like three minutes before kickoff, and we took the lead on the second minute. Um, yeah. with Graham Weir, it's uh, it's just um, a ridiculously fun season, but we can go back into that one in a bit further detail on another episode, I'm sure. Indeed. Uh, and the next time we're playing our brother, we think he's going to get called off. <laughs> um, right, so I think that pretty much draws us to a close um, for today. So all that leaves me to do then as the, the de facto host for tonight is to thank everybody for listening um, and to thank every, every one of you for, for taking part in tonight's show. Um, I'll try and do this as best I can. I'm no, I'm no Duncan Cameron, but I'll give it a go. Um, so if you um, aren't already following us on Twitter... Um, it is on ONNN Podcast um, on YouTube at O No 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 Podcast. Um, and there is, I'm going to say this now because I'm going to force Duncan to do it. There is a mug. You need to buy the mug, guys. You buy it yourself. I've literally just bought one myself. Full instructions will appear um, on social media at some point. It is a thing of beauty. Um, so get your mugs um, and get us in your lug holes. Um, so thank you very much for listening um, and I hope everybody in our broth is safe and the game goes ahead, but it's probably not. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks for listening.